Welcome back to another Thursday SA Voices listeners. I want to just put a quick note out before we start the regular episode. Tomorrow would be the last day to contribute your voice memo or voice recording if you're interested in being featured on our show that reflects on the question, what is it that you want the student affairs profession to hear right now? And again, that's a call that if you're interested in providing your voice that are Black identified professionals, you're welcome to do that. If you are a non-Black professional of color or if you are a white identified professional, you are welcome to send in a voice memo that's, again, two to three minutes that reflects on what action steps are you taking to do the anti-racist work, anti-racism work, and also what are you wanting to share about your allyship right now or the things you're trying to do to demonstrate allyship. So again, please send those voice memos into savoices at naspa.org. You can just use your cell phone to record those, and we hope to feature your voices soon. Welcome to Student Affairs Voices from the Field, the podcast where we share your student affairs stories from fresh perspectives to seasoned experts. This is season two, Critical and Crisis Conversations, featuring a special COVID-19 and higher education miniseries. This podcast is brought to you by NASPA, and I'm Jill Creighton, your SA Voices from the Field host. Today's episode continues our dialogue on COVID-19 and its impacts in higher education, And today we're going to be specifically digging into impacts on the community college setting and the small colleges and universities setting. I have two guests, Dr. Arena Anaya and Dr. Heidi Hoskinson. Dr. Arena Anaya, she, her, hers, joined the Community College of Aurora in August of 2018 as the Dean of Students. In her role, she directly oversees student service programs, including the CARE Team, Colorado Scholarship Opportunity Initiative Grant, Counseling Services, Disability and Equity Office, Military and Veteran Services, SAMHSA Suicide Prevention Grant, Student Intervention and Conduct, Student Life, Transfer Success Initiatives, TRIO, SSS, and ESL programs, and Upward Bound. Prior to her time at the Community College of Aurora, Dr. Anaya held the position of Assistant Director of Community Standards and Conflict Resolution at the University of Northern Colorado from 2013 to 2018. Anaya has served as a faculty fellow and faculty member for the Association for Student Conduct Administration's Gearing Academy and currently sits on the ASCA Board of Directors as the Director at Large for Community Colleges. In addition, Dr. Anaya is the current president of the Colorado Coalition for the Educational Advancement of Latinx Professionals, also known as COSEAL. It's a coalition of post-secondary and professional educators devoted to the educational success of the state's Latinx population. Dr. Anaya received her PhD in the Higher Education and Student Affairs Leadership Program from the University of Northern Colorado in 2019. She also has her Master of Arts in Educational Leadership and Policy Studies from the University of Northern Colorado, earned in 2009. She's a published scholar with works focused on intersectionality, in graduate school for graduate student mothers of color, on self-care, and on student conduct in higher education. Last and most importantly, Dr. Anaya is a mom of three to Ayana, Mateo, and Antonio. Our second guest today is Dr. Heidi Hoskinson. Dr. Hoskinson is Vice President of Enrollment Management and the Registrar at Rogers State University in Claremore, Oklahoma. A higher education professional for over 25 years, she has worked in the areas of student affairs, enrollment management, and academic affairs. Heidi completed her doctoral degree in adult and higher education with an emphasis in administration at the University of Oklahoma. She earned her Master of Science degree in educational leadership from Central Connecticut State University and an undergraduate degree from Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. 
Active in NASPA for many years, Heidi currently serves as the Small Colleges and Universities Division Representative to the Public Policy Division. Raina, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Creighton. How you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. It's the end of April. We have just two and a half weeks left in the regular semester. I can't believe we made it. Right. No, it's it's been a whirlwind. So I'm really looking forward to our dialogue today. As our audience just heard, you are a dean of students at a community college in the Denver metropolitan area. Can you talk a little bit about how your institution has been responding to the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, you know, I I think one of the unique things about our uh, community college is that we are part of a 13-college sister community system. And so a lot of the decisions have really been made through that process as well and, and making sure that we are aligning our practices and also recognizing that we all look very different. And so some of us are residential, some of us have athletics. Our particular campus does not have either of those components. However, we do serve a very large amount of um, concurrent enrollment students. We're about 43% concurrent enrollment. And then we have about 62% students of color. And so I think one of the biggest pieces that we've been intentional about is how do we center the basic needs for survival for our students during this pandemic? And I feel like that continues to be a narrative for our college in general, just in whether we're in a COVID-19 era or not. And one of the biggest pieces I think has been how do we really honor and the need for safety for our faculty and staff instructors, as well as our students. And um, I, I really do feel our, our leadership was ahead of the game with that in getting folks remotely working pretty quickly and offering a lot of resources for students. And so as I've, you know, through the past weeks, we've all seen all these webinars kind of coming in and out of our email boxes and Um, Each of the ones I've tuned into, like we were head on in terms of um, the practices we were implementing. So making sure we centered student stories and their needs um, in that process was probably one of the biggest pieces. What are some of those specific needs outside of kind of what you just framed as basic needs that you're seeing that we need to hold space for community college students? Yeah. So, you know, our, our community college students are are oftentimes parents. They're often caring for folks, you know, that are in their families, whether they are caring for their own parents or relatives, housing pieces, the impact of COVID-19 and in terms of folks having access to employment. Childcare um, is a huge, huge one that we are navigate um, outside of kind of this pandemic, but has definitely, you know, with school closures happening has been a big basis. Folks are including myself, navigating into this so-called homeschooling life um, while also trying to maintain their studies and and wellness themselves. And so I I think another big piece is the mental health component. In my own work, I try to really center mental health as an important part for the folks that I work with. And we definitely transitioned our, our mental health services to telehealth pretty quickly with the help of our contracted organization we work with. And so it's been different, though, um, in terms of, you know, where are our priorities and, and folks are in survival mode right now. And so, yes, mental health may be impacted. And at the same time, they're, they're really trying to just meet that food, shelter and basic living need to make sure that they have what they need to survive. I think that's been a very salient theme, kind of this return to the Maslow pyramid, just what's at the the foundation of that pyramid and 
how are we working through those needs, not only for our students, uh, but you also mentioned our staff and faculty. So as a person who leads a student affairs team, how are you supporting and creating space for your team to do what they need to do? I think for me early on, it was a bit of, okay, make sure all of our remote working spaces are working accurately. And, you know, once all of that kind of settled, I was like, we need to check in with each other. And so one of the things that I did, and I, I tend to do this a lot just based on my leadership style, is I have a very collectivist just way that I approach things. And so I like to, to operate from a very flat hierarchy because I recognize the impact that power has in just the way that decisions get made. And so one of the things that I often operate from is from a lens of vulnerability and authenticity. Um, and so about two weeks into the COVID-19 um, kind of remote working, I sent an email to my, my team and I currently oversee essentially all the student service-based areas. So that's our TRIO programs, that's our disability office, our, our conduct areas, counseling, et cetera. And just really named where I was at and that named and gave folks permission to really name that they weren't okay and sent out the resources for them to start that process for them to name that for themselves and ask them, check back in with me or check back in with somebody else. It doesn't have to be me, but I need to know that you are, are checking in with somebody. And so that was really important for me to be able to model that for them. I really appreciate that leading by example framework where you're able to say, I'm in this space. This is who I am. This is how I'm doing this as a person. Uh, I really appreciate that leadership component because I think oftentimes, especially in student affairs, we're holding so much for so many that we often don't give ourselves permission to be human. Right. So thank you for doing that. Of course. Reina, what message would you like to send to other student affairs professionals, particularly those at community colleges right now? A lot of the things that I have noticed, just even in my transition over the, in the last two years to community college, is that recognizing the fact that we do things differently. Um, and then oftentimes there's a bar set for us on how we are supposed to engage as higher ed professionals. And I think that is built on a lot of notions around productivity and, you know, who kind of really creates that, that lens of productivity and, and um, just standards of what success looks like. And I would ask that you really dig deep into your communities and your colleges and be okay with, yeah, taking some of that guidance, but also like creating that for yourself in some way, self-authoring that for your own community and making sure that you are doing the things and, and that, that speak to the folks that you work with, the students that you serve so that they can really connect back to this notion that we're all in this together, but really the humanity of this all so that folks are really able to express and just be right now. We can't expect each other to to just operate in a normal reality right now. And I think, you know, I constantly am reminding myself of that on a daily basis. And I just offer that out to other folks that be able to, to, to name that for yourself and be okay with that. Thank you. Well, Raina, we have reached the point in our show where we move into our lightning round. Are you ready? Let's do it. You get 90 seconds to answer seven questions. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, who is your most influential professional mentor? Oh, man, Jill. 
There, there's tons. I think a lot of my conduct kind of people, I, I mean, I could list a lot of folks. I would say right now, one of the folks that is really, I'm excited to, to work with is my current VP, Dr. Angela Marquez. All right. Number two, favorite author, personal or professional? Um, let's see here. I think anything social justice focused, I don't really, so reading this is another point of personal self-care that I need to do better of. I like to pick up anything that really connects to history, to just self-care. And so looking at my bookshelf right here, and so like I got Bell Hooks, I got Moraga in Anzaldúa. I mean, Anzaldúa is kind of my framework that I use for a lot of things, living in the borderlands. Number three, what is your essential student affairs read? Definitely, I would say... The student development theory book is something I refer to a lot. We'll just stick there since we're doing 90 seconds here. <laughs> Four, if you were a keynote speaker at a conference, what would be your walk-up music? Selena, of course. Absolutely. Number five, when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? A veterinarian. Number six, the podcast you've spent the most hours listening to in the last year. Latinx Intelligentsia by Dr. Michelle Espinosa Lira. And finally, number seven, any shout outs you want to give, personal or professional? You know, I, I think just a shout out to my family. It's been hard and we all have our, our different needs at this point. And so I think that they always come first. I, I think just to my college in general. Um, of the support that they have shown me. And then just my comadres and my compadres that I, I connect with throughout this time. It's been really great to just figure out how we can get through this together. Couldn't do it without any of those folks. So, Raina, I always appreciate our dialogues and your words of wisdom for our listeners. If anyone wants to follow up with you after they've heard this episode, how can we reach you? Yeah, so I'm on most social media platforms. So, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really know. They're just my name, so look at my name. But other than that, you can reach me via email at reina.anaya at ccaurora.edu. Thanks so much, Reina. You're welcome. Thanks, Jill. It's time to take a quick break and toss it over to producer Chris to learn what's going on in the NASPA world. Thanks, Jill. Really appreciate it. And as always, there's a lot of things happening in NASPA. One of the things that's coming up really soon is a proposal submission deadline for the 2021 NASPA Strategies Conferences. Now, these conferences are going to be held on January 14th through the 16th of 2021, and the proposal submission deadline is September 16th of 2020. Now, these submission deadlines cover a number of different conferences, so that it, it, it will cover the following conferences, the 2021 NASPA Alcohol, Other Drugs, and Campus Violence Prevention Conference, the NASPA Mental Health Conference, the NASPA Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Conference, and the NASPA Wellbeing and Health Promotion Leadership Conference. So if you have an interest in putting in a proposal for any of these, we encourage you to go over to the NASPA website and search for the strategies conferences, and you'll be able to find the links for submitting that, but also email addresses for you to be able to get more information on those conferences themselves. The 2020-2021 NUF Fellows applications are now live. If you've never heard of the NUF program, you definitely need to know more about this. This is a great mentoring opportunity where you get to mentor students from traditionally unrepresented and historically disenfranchised populations. 
It's a semi-structured program that diversifies and broadens the pipeline within our profession. Students and mentors apply as a pair, and if accepted into the program, students are then known as fellows and have the opportunities for scholarships, on-campus mentorship, and professional development. The deadline to apply for the fellows program is on June 30th, 2020. So definitely let people know about this. It's such an important program for our profession and has such a rich background and history as well. And everyone that I've always known that has been a part of this program only raves about it and has had amazing experiences. And so many of the podcasts that we've had out this season, they've all been about the response to COVID-19 and the impact to our campuses and to our students. And on the NASPA website, they have some amazing resources that have been curated to provide you with things that you can use to be able to best lead your own campus. So if you go to the NASPA website and you're going to see in the lower right-hand corner a box that says COVID-19 resources, click on that box and you're going to see things that range the gamut from emergency planning and communications to community-based resources and even other additional resources from the CDC to be able to allow for you to be able to make positive decisions that are going to help your campus to thrive and survive into the future. All of these resources have so much information that are going to help you to plan. And some of them you may have already seen in the past, but there are many others that may be new. And as you start to plan for the future, it's important to have all the resources at your fingertips. So I highly encourage all of you to take a look at those and to be able to see, and they're even curating additional submissions for more resources. So if you have more resources, definitely click on the link that says make a submission and share those resources with our broader community. Every week we're going to be sharing some amazing things that are happening within the association. So we are going to be able to try and keep you up to date on everything that's happening and allow for you to be able to get involved in different ways because the association is as strong as its members. And for all of us, we have to find our place within the association, whether it be getting involved with a knowledge community, giving back within one of the the centers or the divisions of the association. And as you're doing that, it's important to be able to identify for yourself, where do you fit? Where do you want to give back? Each week, we're hoping that we will share some things that might encourage you, might allow for you to be able to get some ideas that will provide you with an opportunity to be able to say, hey, I see myself in that knowledge community. I see myself doing something like that. Or encourage you in other ways that allow for you to be able to think beyond what's available right now to offer other things to the association to bring your gifts, your talents, to the association and to all of the members within the association because through doing that, all of us are stronger and the association is better. Tune in again next week as we find out more about what is happening in NASPA. 
All right, we are back and it is time for our lightning round. Are you ready, Stephanie? <laughs> As we do here, you get 90 seconds to answer seven questions. Here we go. Number one, if you were a conference keynote speaker, what would your entrance music be? Heidi, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. I'm psyched to be here. And Heidi, you're joining us from a small college, and so I was hoping you could start by sharing a little bit about your institution. I would love to. Yes, I love small colleges, have been a part of my career for a really long time. I am at Rogers State University, which is a small regional state university in Oklahoma. We're in the northeastern corner of the state of Oklahoma, right outside of Tulsa. And we have about 3,700 students. We have about 800 residential beds. So we have a small on-campus population. So the majority of our students are commuting. They're commuting from a very close proximity, about 50 to 75 miles in duration. And we also have two smaller satellite campuses, one in a smaller community, about 25-minute drive from here, and one a smaller community, about 70 miles or so, about an hour drive from here. So we have a really small but important footprint in a very rural-oriented area of Oklahoma. About 3,700 students, like I said, um, the majority of them um, are older students, so uh, not a big traditional population, and uh, very homogeneous in their sort of makeup, but majority women, so not surprising at much many small colleges. I think that context for your institution is so important for this dialogue because it sounds like you uh, share a lot of characteristics with some of our most vulnerable populations, including students who are commuting and balancing multiple priorities at home, students who may not have robust access to health care, et cetera, in that rural environment. So Heidi, what are you seeing that is deeply impacting your institution, perhaps uniquely in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, I think we're seeing a couple of things that I think impact us maybe more so than other places and some things that impact us very equally to other small schools that are struggling let me talk about those first, you know, access to technology, access to uh, internet, access to just the ability to be online to complete courses for students who live in rural areas who uh, don't have a lot of um, either fiscal or technology access. That's been very challenging for us uh, in this pandemic and, and the move to, you know, more remote instruction at the end of our spring semester and into the summer has been a challenge for students. Um, I think what's been uh, maybe uniquely challenging is about 30% of our students are Native American. So we have a large population of students who are going home to their uh, home communities and probably have siblings and our family members and our elders also that are being uh, adversely affected by the pandemic in lots of different ways, either financially or uh, health-wise. And so we're really trying to pay attention to how we can support that pretty significant group of students in our student population uh, as they really face some uh, unique challenges presented by the pandemic and its, and its effects on their life and livelihoods. I think that's a really important particular subgrouping of students that's important to bring to the consciousness of our student affairs professionals. Our Native and Indigenous students are facing some very unique challenges, as you mentioned, Heidi. Can you elaborate a bit on what you're seeing specifically? Sure. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of food insecurity, a lot of uh, health care insecurity. We're seeing a lot of folks who are um, economically insecure. They've lost jobs in the service industries, particularly in this area. Hospitality and um, gaming is a significant 
industry. And so those closures as a result of, you know, governor orders to um, shelter in place uh, have been really devastating on some families in terms of their economic welfare. So we're seeing that really uh, keenly. Also, we're seeing, you know, elder members of students' families being adversely affected as by the virus itself. So, you know, increased health care costs and uh, need to be, you know, in concern and care for them and, and to be navigating all of those quarantines and uh, health protocols and all of those things have been very difficult, I think, for students as well. So what is Rogers State doing uh, as a small institution, especially one that's regionally serving, to support students that are facing a stratification of challenges across not only their academic identity, but in their personal lives and in their professional lives? Right. So we've done a few things that, you know, we have been able to accomplish. It's not easy because, as you know, small schools have very lean benches. Uh, there are not a lot of us. So to reach out to all of those students on the backs of a very small footprint of of student affairs and enrollment management professionals has been a challenge, but we've rose to the challenge. Our development office has kicked into gear and reached out to friends and alumni of RSU to create funds for, we call them Hillcat Heroes, we're the Hillcats. And so Hillcat Heroes came forward and funded several initiatives to help our students make the transition from on-ground to online courses with technology support, as well as dollars to support purchase of internet access and, you know, computers and webcams and all the kinds of things that students all of a sudden needed. Testing support in terms of proctoring for our nursing program, which was uh, significantly impacted by the virus and the pandemic in terms of finishing their training. So we did that. We've also um, done several food pantry openings on our campus. So for our residential students who couldn't leave the residence, they had a food pantry. We also have one that's available to all students in our student center. So that helps out with a little bit of food insecurity issues that we've been facing. We've been partnering with several of our community partners to find uh, housing and shelter for folks as we wound down our residential hall offerings and tried to make sure that they had a place to stay for the summer. So all of those things have been in play as we've tried to support students as best we can. It's really heartening to hear how much your team has been able to mobilize in a very short period of time. And one of the things that I have always appreciated about our profession is our willingness to share ideas and to collaborate with one another to really develop the best solutions for our institutions. And Heidi, one of the reasons I was really looking forward to our dialogue is one of the uh, postings that you wrote for the NASPA blog very recently. It was published in April. So if folks who are listening, if you want to go to the NASPA blog and search for Heidi's name, she wrote a piece called Seismic Shift, Small College Challenge. Can you share a little bit about what inspired you to write this post and what your messaging is? I wasn't sure what I was going to write, and I was probably going to write a very different piece than it turned out to be. But this kind of timing around what had happened with us and so many of our colleagues in March when things really started to solidify that normal was not going to be normal anymore, just started me thinking about, you know, all the things that we do on a regular basis as student support folks and, and really engaged in like a student first focus. I just really thought about, you know, how what is it to like to be a professional in this really difficult time? And and I thought, you know, I think we all think we go into things with a really good set of skills. And when those skills get tested, you sort of you know, sit back and you go, wow, this is a test. And I thought I was prepared and I, I might not have been, but I've learned and I've grown and I've I've exercised some skills that I knew I had, but never really exercised to that 
extreme before. And, and I kind of wrote about what it felt like to be a, a seasoned professional in very unsteady waters at a very small place where resources are an issue and resources not only fiscally, money-wise, but also personnel-wise. How do you wrangle something that's so large with just a limited amount of ability to do so? And so it just is, is kind of a reflection of of that and kind of what we did and how we started talking about it and how we started moving and how we started to get uh, moving forward and to help our students and to help ourselves really make it through that. And I thought that was important to share because I knew that, you know, I wasn't the only small college administrator probably struggling with some of those things like, hey, I thought I was good at this job and some days I don't feel like I'm good at this job anymore. But just because of the circumstances, not necessarily because it was anything that I did, but just the circumstances were so overwhelming and just significant in that time frame. I think it's really important that you demonstrated that vulnerability in this piece because it speaks not only to me as an AVP number two, but I think also to other senior administrators. But more importantly, it sets a really important example for our professionals at all levels in their careers, showing that that vulnerability can also demonstrate strength and leadership and that we need to also be able to say that I don't know that or we're still working on that or there's no playbook for that. Um, So I just wanted to appreciate you in that moment for that space. Thank you. I think it's super important because I think we do, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as administrators. I mean, I think also just, you know, to to say we put a lot of pressure on ourselves also as women uh, in leadership roles to always you know what we know what we're doing and and feel confident about what we're doing and it's okay to say you know what my heart's on my sleeve today and I'm not so sure that I know how to go forward but this is what we're going to try to do and we're going to do it the best way we can and we're going to lead through and and we're going to make some mistakes but we're also going to learn from those and then we're going to try not to repeat those as we go forward and but we're really just going to you know go eyes wide open and and do the best we can every day and and hopefully that is what is necessary and that is what is going to get us forward. You mentioned earlier that you have a small team, a very uh, very thinly spread team right now. How are you all as senior administrators taking care of your staff? So um, it's been hard. I will say that one of the things I wrote about too is is you come to realize or depend on the fact that you can go down the hall and talk to somebody. And when everyone is gone, you're like, oh, I have to figure out how to to fix that communication in a way that works because what what used to work doesn't work anymore. So, you know, we've just been trying to pay attention. We try to, you know, get people the tools they need to do the work they need to be available and open in terms of communicating, uh, using all means necessary. I think our, our cell phones have gotten more of a workout than ever before in terms of texting and and paying attention to that. You know, I think we've also said, even though the summer is a weird summer, everyone needs to take a vacation. Even if it's a staycation, you need some time away from the office to decompress and to get your energy back because the fall is going to be challenging too, um, pr- probably equally or more so. So, you know, we we really have been paying attention to what people need to do, even though it's a weird summer and has been a weird spring. Uh, promises to be a challenging fall, but we need to set the example and make sure that people take care of themselves as as we're going through all of this. Is there anything in particular that you feel it's extremely important for small college and university professionals to be thinking about for fall right now that might be unique in the field? 
Um, I think the biggest thing that we've been seeing is communicating with students. Um, I don't know that that's unique to small schools, but I think people who gravitate toward a small school environment have certain expectations of what that environment might be like. And so to communicate that, even though the environment might be different, it's still going to be the small college, care about you, put your arms or put our arms around you kind of place where you're not a number, you're a name. That ethos of the small college is still going to be intact. And I think really sharing that with students and, and helping them to understand that the reason they choose a small college is for those things that are intrinsically valuable. Those intrinsic values are still there, even though you might not have some of the bells and whistles that you've come to expect, or they might be manifesting themselves differently. That's really a key message that we need to send to those students that are choosing us. All right, Heidi, it is time for our lightning round. Goody. Seven questions and 90 seconds. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. Number one, if you were a conference keynote speaker, what would your entrance music be? Uh, Star Wars. Number two, when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, police officer. What is the podcast that you've spent the most hours listening to in the last year? Oh, can I pass? Yeah. (laughs) That's a hard one. Uh, Who's your favorite author, personal or professional? Right now, Barbara Kingsolver is my favorite. And what is your essential student affairs read? Oh, right now I'm reading Dare to Lead. And your most influential professional mentor? You know, I would say actually somebody different than I thought it would be. I had an administrative assistant one time and she was amazing. And I've really used her as a mentor in a lot of what I do. And finally, any shout outs you'd like to give personal or professional? Oh, gosh. Shout out to my RSU Hillcat community. They're the best. My enrollment management team, they're amazing. And all my friends at former places who might hear this, think of you a lot and miss you a lot. And you did great with that lightning round, Heidi. Yay! If folks would like to get a hold of you after the show today, how can they do that? Sure. They can always email me. It's hhoskinson, H-O-S-K-I-N-S-O-N, at rsu.edu. My office number is area code 918-343-7852. And my Twitter handle is at rsuvpenrollment if they want to tweet me. Heidi, thanks so much for sharing your voice with us. You bet. I appreciate your time and I had a great time. Thank you, Jill. This has been an episode of Essay Voices from the Field, a podcast brought to you by NASPA. This show is made possible because of you, our listeners. You mean so much to us. If you'd like to reach the show, you can email us at essayvoices@naspa.org or find me on Twitter at Jill Creighton. We welcome your feedback and your topic and guest suggestions. We'd love it if you'd take a moment to tell a colleague about the show and like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. This episode was produced and hosted by Dr. Jill Creighton. That's me. Produced, edited, and mixed by Dr. Chris Lewis. Guest coordination by Anna Schilter. Special thanks to Washington State University's Division of Student Affairs for your support as we create this project. Catch you next time.